Hey, how you guys doing? It's the producer from Brothers Comics. Welcome to our NBA recap show this week in the association presented by Brothers Comics. On the line tonight, um, I have my... Well, he's in the frozen tundra. His area has been given multiple 20-second timeouts, uh, TV timeouts. Uh, he's just been on the sideline uh, due to weather. It, it's Will Stack. Will, say what's happening. Will Stack's in the house. What's up? What's up? What's up? Second day of spring, and I'm trying to stay warm. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. The weather up north, uh, it's pushing its way down here into Florida, too. Not to not to complain, you know, it's only like 70 degrees here today, which is just terrible. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I'd rather have the day off, though. Day off wasn't too bad, you know, having a snow day uh, in March is a little unique, but I'll take it. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right. So, yeah, we missed out last week because I was gallivanting on my spring break uh, through the island of Puerto Rico. Uh, so we didn't have a show last week, but I'm back on mainland, and so we're going to get into these topics. So let's hit this jump ball real quick. Uh, the jump ball, the NCAA tournament, man, it popped off here last week. Uh, I think I saw that you went to one of the play-in games, at, uh, in the last four in games, right? Yeah, the – First four here in Dayton, Ohio, uh, my third year uh, attending, and uh, outstanding, outstanding. Dayton does an amazing job of hosting uh, the first four. Uh, we went the second evening, so we got to see Syracuse uh, versus Arizona State in the nightcap, which was a great game that night, and Syracuse has kept the momentum going, uh, upsetting Michigan State, leading them into the Sweet 16. Yeah, lots of upsets here in the tournament. We get our first ever 16 versus one goes down. Uh, Virginia, who was probably a pumped up heavyweight to begin with, goes down to UMCB or UMBC. Uh, but there's still some blue blood left in the tournament with Duke. Uh, Syracuse is a blue blood, even though they got in late. Who you got moving forward? Well, believe it or not, speaking of blue blood here in Ohio, my bracket has Michigan cutting down the net this year uh solid ball club they've really been playing good ball late uh did have a late win in their uh, last game with a, a buzzer beater uh but hey just win in advance uh, this time of year but hey you mentioned blue bloods you got kentucky you got kansas uh they're still lurking as well so you can't leave out uh either of those schools uh to make a run to the national championship and unfortunately, Duke is still floating out there as well. Uh, maybe a little bit tournament ready as they uh, make it to the Sweet 16, too. Yeah, Duke is talented. They have probably two, maybe three uh, first-round picks in the upcoming NBA draft. Uh, they are a solid ball club. They had a little stretch in the middle of the season where they struggled, uh, but they are turning it on as of late. So, but hey, with this tournament the way it has been, you will you cannot pick them. It's just so hard to pick. So many brackets have been absolutely shattered this yeah. year. So uh, I, it's tough to call. Uh, you know, it's just been some outstanding action, great basketball, and the finishes have been amazing. Yeah, and we won't talk about the other Southwestern Ohio team university that blew that twenty-two point lead. Uh, as one of the probably the best team Nick Cronin's had at Cincinnati, and they blew that lead. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I even turned away from the game. They were in control 
and I flipped back, and and the lead had been cut to four, and I was like, oh, my goodness, and uh, they ended up losing the game. I could not believe it, but, hey, uh, that's March Madness for you right there. You, the game is not over till the fat lady is singing. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Let's get into some of those where they pay them, like, well, legally pay them into the NBA, and let's get into the first quarter. Uh just some medical medical news, man. Coach Ty Lue is out for the Cavs, uh, going to be out for at least a week. Uh, undisclosed medical reasons at this point in time. Uh, former, I think, Milwaukee Bucks head coach Larry Drew is now the head coach. Uh, the team gets Kevin Love back. They get a big win last night. Um, over, uh, who they, they beat somebody last night. I forgot. They beat, beat Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yeah, Milwaukee, yes. They beat the Bucks. Mm-hmm. And... Um, they're pretty much locked into that third seed right now unless uh, uh, the Celtics fall apart. Does it matter if Ty Lue is the coach or because LeBron's the coach anyway? Does it even really matter who the head coach is? Well, right now I'm going to say no, it doesn't matter for these last few games as much. Um, LeBron is, you know, the king in, in all ways. He is uh, on the court and sometimes off as well. Um, I do think it will matter come playoff time, though. You, you do need uh, that voice to make that final decision. Uh, many think it is LeBron in a lot of cases, and in a lot of cases it is, but you still need that coach, uh, I think, in the playoffs. So uh, I think right now it is obviously health is the first and most important thing uh, for Coach Lou. Uh, Larry Drew will step in to fill his shoes for the time being. Uh, the team should finish the season off. Uh, strong big game coming up against Toronto. Um, but, you know, with 12 games remaining in the regular season, they do seem to be locked into the three. Indiana lurking in the four seat. But, uh, you know, the Cavs are just trying to position themselves, get healthy. They got love back. They're waiting to get Tristan Thompson in full go. Uh, so they're just trying to get ready for the playoffs, and that includes Coach Luton. Yeah. Um, when their last ten, they're a five hundred team. Though um, it seems to to the point that they're beating the teams that they probably should beat, and any time they play up against a you know a playoff team, uh, they come up a little bit short. Uh, they had a short game against Portland a few nights ago as well. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see if all those new players that they have who don't have any playoff experience can rise to the challenge when we get to the playoff. Well, I think, uh, again, the game against the Raptors tonight is uh, is going to be huge as they, uh, you know, will look to make a statement. Yeah, they're still not at full goal with their uh, full roster, but they will look to make a statement against the top seed in the East. Um, you know, again, Cleveland is positioning themselves. So if they win against the Raptors, will be great. They will send a message to Toronto, say, hey, we're still there. You might be on top, but if they don't, uh, they won't sweat it as much because they know uh, the real season, quote-unquote, uh, starts in about a month. And kind of on piggybacking on that, the Raptors 9-1 and one in their last 10 uh, just had a, a big winning streak snap themselves. But if they don't come out and play well or lose to the Cavs tonight, uh, all that talk about, you know, to, well, we've been talking about it, where Toronto can't be trusted, it's all going to bubble back to the surface. Oh, most definitely. It's a different mindset for Toronto where Cleveland would be comfortable in the three-seed. Toronto feels they must secure the one-seed. Uh, they must show that they are the top team. They must be Cleveland to send a message to them. 
So it's a totally different mindset for Toronto because they're trying to prove a point to us and to everybody else that they are for real. Yeah, it'll be. I'm really interested to see how Toronto comes out and plays this game because even if they lose, if they lose, they're going to try to play it off as just a regular season game, and we all know that it's not for them. It's uh, it's a much bigger, it's a much bigger, bigger test for Toronto to see if they can come and play in that environment tonight. Mm. All right, let's get to the second quarter. Uh, we got some hobbled champs, man. Uh, the Warriors. Uh, first, Steph goes out with a, another ankle injury, his second one for the season. Then the report comes out that Clay Thompson's going to be out for a couple of weeks with a sprained thumb. And then KD touches the, the I think it was the hyperextended knee, and he's going to be out for an extended period of time. They are three and a half games back of the Rockets, so probably getting to the one is out of the question. Locked into the second seed because they're so far ahead of Portland who's in the third. Is there any chance that they just kind of put it in absolute cruise control for the rest of these games and just kind of, you know, play it out? so they don't get injured and rest up for the playoff? Oh, there's absolutely no question. They are okay with uh, the two seed right now. I think they will concede the number one to the Houston Rockets at this point of the season. Uh, even Draymond Green is gonna, may miss a couple games after taking a shot uh, south of the equator. Uh, might sit him out for a couple of games. Um, all the players probably could play if it was playoff team playoff time right now and even Steph Curry is scheduled to come back this weekend but again just like with Cleveland they are playoff tested uh, their job right now is to be ready when the playoffs uh, begin so you'll probably see one or two sprinkle in here or there from now for these last 11 games uh, but then when it comes playoff time uh, the unit will be back intact and ready to go so uh, the Golden State Warriors are, they're okay right now being the second seed in the West. Do you think this is going to force the Rockets to do the same thing? Uh, the Rockets, it's kind of slightly, probably around the same age team, at least with some of their players, and maybe a little bit older for some of them, that probably could use this rest knowing that they're locked into one. Will it force the Rockets to, you know, kind of take their foot off the accelerator? Uh, the Rockets will likely do so, especially with Chris Paul, uh, especially with his history of injuries uh, near and during the playoffs. I'm sure down the stretch he will likely take a few games off. Um, however, they will continue to push uh, for a couple more weeks, you know, to even make sure uh, until they guarantee when it is actually mathematically locked in that they are the number one, then they will take uh, their foot off the pedal. But uh, they, like Toronto, are out to prove a point. They want that number one seed. They want to prove that we, uh, that they can do uh, what they need to do uh, to win the West. So number one seed is, is step one, uh, that they solidify a, a possible seventh game, if necessary, uh, in, their home, uh, in their home stadium. So uh, they want to play in front of the home crowd. Number one is important to them. Not as much to Golden State. Yeah, no doubt. I, I really don't think it matters to Golden State all that much. Uh, I, I, you said every sprinkle in one or two in there every once and then. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see any of them until, like, you know, probably those final two or three games of the season just to get into, you know, a groove for the playoffs. Maybe even not then. You know, Steve Kerr, 
all of those dudes, they know exactly what to expect. We'll get into their first-round playoff matchup or probabilities here when we get in uh, after halftime. But, yeah, uh, a little. I think uh, because of the injuries, I think everybody's kind of starting to doubt the Warriors a little bit, and because they've been around for so long, I think it's easy to, you know, take your eyes off the champ. Yeah, I think there are a few more people hopping on the Rocket bandwagon, uh, but I think the basketball purists uh, still probably believe and you still got to, if you're going to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. So until that's done, I think most people will still side with Golden State. Hey, but the Rockets have uh, played some outstanding ball uh, this year, especially since the All-Star break. And uh, who's to say it won't continue? So the Rockets are putting themselves in the right spot. Now let's see what they can do with it. Yeah, they're currently on a six-game winning streak. Uh, they had their winning streak tap, I think, by Toronto. Uh so yeah, uh, just uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. As we're getting into this tail end of the season, you really kind of want to see, you know, some of these other games kind of tail off with teams that aren't going to be in the playoffs with all the teams that are tanking, and really kind of you know shooting towards April so we can get this thing started. All right, let's get into halftime as Nasir Jones brings us in. You set this out as a text to me for the halftime topic. Actually, you put it at the jump ball topic at first. Uh, but we moved it to halftime because so we can give it its proper due. Uh, ESPN put out this list of the, I think it was from ESPN, the magazine, the top 20 greatest athletes over the last 20 years. And um, no, the 20 most dominant athletes. Dominant. Okay. Key word, dominant athletes. Okay. Uh, the last 20 years. Yes. So uh, I got problems with a lot of this list. Um, <laughs> uh, right at the top, actually, and I know it's going to start this debate between you and me. Uh, but basically, they have a list of of athletes um, that they think have dominated over the past twenty years. So it takes out that discussion of who's the greatest of all time. It takes out the Jordans and the Ali's and what that Secretariat that made it into that list on ESPN that one time or whatever. So all those get taken out. So it's the last 20 years. Some people that didn't make it probably off the top was Michael Phelps was one that I was like, wow, it's surprising that he didn't make it. And then Kobe didn't make it as, as well. And keeping it in a basketball sense, um, at least in the NBA, the only NBA athlete that made it was LeBron James. So, all right. For me, well, you have to go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to go with the list that was uh, uh, published by the ESPN magazine, and then I was going to uh, kind of at least go by the top five. I just had the top five listed. Uh, number five was Roger Federer. Number four was Jimmy Johnson, not the football coach, the NASCAR driver. Uh, number three was Peyton Manning. Number two was LeBron James. And number one was Tiger Woods. Uh, that was the ESPN, the magazine list. Now, lots of uh, issue I have with that list. Um, you know, as you mentioned, first of all, Jimmy Johnson, you know, I'll, I will give him credit. Winning seven uh, Winston Cup Sprint Championship, whatever the sponsor is these days, um, you know, is an amazing accomplishment. Uh, but to call him the most dominant or uh, number four, most dominant in the last uh, 20 years. Uh, I definitely laughable as a, as a as a race car driver, as yeah. as you mentioned, yeah. a horse yeah, being yeah. top 100 of all time. Yeah, um, let's, let's, 
Race car drivers are not athletes, man. Okay, let's just put it out there. I, I you know, whatever. I, I respect what they do. It does take skill to drive a car that fast in a circle. I'm not saying that, but they're not athletes. No, yeah, they're not athletes. Skill takes stamina, maybe, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't uh, definitely call them the most uh, athletic. Uh, of, of people I won't even say gentlemen Because then that might offend The Danica Patrick fan But uh, they aren't the most athletic of people But um, yeah He just should not Definitely should not be that high He did dominate yeah. his sport But definitely on this list uh, Not his place And I don't even have a problem With uh, Club Fed at 5 He is the best tennis player of all time But to call him the most dominant in that era is probably a little bit difficult for me because there was another guy and even maybe two guys that had their run as well um, yeah. you know with Rafael Nadal and even Novak Djokovic to an extent as well and that would be my only problem of putting Federer so high he definitely belongs on the list of being at number five uh, that would be my problem and then Peyton Manning the third most dominant Again, probably one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Uh, you know, in the list, from my understanding, only regular season was taken into play. So that could have something to do with it. But to say that he is the third most dominant athlete, that is uh, laughable, in my opinion. Yeah. And he's certainly not. And, you know, spoiling the list, you know, Tom Brady was at 20 and Peyton is at three. That's. That's just ridiculous. But keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, then LeBron James, you know, at number two, again, an outstanding, you know, he obviously is in his uh, illustrious career, has just done some amazing things and definitely belongs on this list. But to be listed at number two, you know, I think might be a stretch uh, for me now. My personal list and their list definitely has the proper athlete at top being Tiger Woods. You know, his yeah. stretch was unbelievable. And here's, to me, what separates Tiger from everybody else on this list. His competitors even said, oh, man, when he's rolling, we don't, we're bowing for second. So if your competitors are saying that about you, then you have got something on them. That is true domination. He is number one on my list. Number two, Serena Williams. Yes. She should be number two, in my opinion, because she has definitely dominated the sport of tennis, definitely women's tennis, uh, in that 20-year span and likely will get back on track to continue to do so even after uh, dropping one off. So. Uh, Serena is definitely number two. Uh, no one else like Federer, to me, approached her sister for a bit, but not even uh, for long enough uh, to make a, a dent. Serena should definitely be two. My list, uh, not one of my favorite athletes, but if you can say he's not dominant, why not Floyd Mayweather? You know, I mean, he's definitely not my favorite on the list, but undefeated. That's pretty dominant, I would say. Yeah. 50 fights, never lose. I would call that pretty dominant. Uh, then my fourth on this list, I put Usain Bolt. 
I mean, mm-hmm. yes, you could say oh, he's Olympic fame and then the world championships and then a sprinkle in here or there, we would seem. But you talk about dominant. He was must-watch TV. I put him at four. Number five is where, to me, debate comes in. You know, I put LeBron at five, and then I had a possible Michael Phelps. You know, Michael Phelps only being around for the uh, Olympics, if you will. But uh, did he dominate? I would say yes. Yeah. uh, (laughs) So that's my top five. Tiger, Serena, Floyd, Usain, and I'll throw LeBron at five. My most dominant athletes in the last 20 years. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't go and make the list other than the fact that I thought Serena should be number one. Um, you know, if Fe- there's no reason on that list that Federer should be ranked higher than Serena because she was way more dominant in her version of tennis than he was dominant in his version of tennis. And don't get me wrong, he was completely dominant. But it's not the same. I mean, again, you got somebody that's within at least striking distance, two people within striking distance of the major record that he holds. And so it, there's nobody even close to having <laughs> in striking distance, yeah. not even her sister for the right, not even, that she has. Not even close. Yeah. I not totally even agree. close. So Serena's, yeah, Serena got job because she's yeah. a woman. Maybe I would yeah. imagine that would be the only, only reason why. The yeah. only reason. Yeah, and then that, that was that. As I said, I took the two, the Schumacher and Johnson off, and then I put Bonds in there. The thing, the funny thing is that we probably had this version of this conversation for 20 years. He was a Hall of Famer before he got on steroids, like a, a dominant baseball player before that. He didn't need it. It was just, it was, he didn't need it to even get into the Hall of Fame. It just pushed him into okay. a ridiculous stratosphere at that okay. point in time. But so, but I'll, I'll throw out this throw out this and I say the same thing to the Hall of Fame uh, argument as well. The question here is who was the most dominant athlete? If Barry Bonds was seventeen on the list for ESPN, uh, he definitely dominated. He was must watch TV. Everybody turned on Sports Center uh, to see a Barry Bonds highlight. People watched when he came to bat. Uh, he was he was much watched TV. Say what you will. I still will give the argument if he was on steroids, the rest of the league was on steroids, or at least a good yeah. percentage of them. I you know I could care less. He dominated his sport when he played, and that's no. uh, the bottom line in my opinion. So, but uh, yeah, ESPN. When you put Michael Schumacher on the list, who definitely <laughs> dominated Formula One, but if you yeah. could, Pick him out of a lineup, you mm. are pretty special. But yeah. taking nothing away from what he did, and then yeah. you have two soccer players, Messi and, and Ronaldo. You got Messi higher than Ronaldo, yeah. and and many will say Ronaldo is a better player than Messi, and right. has more whatever the the most valuable player awards than Messi. So I I'm confused by a lot of things on the list, but again, there were criteria they followed, and that's what they came up with. Uh, a very interesting list by ESPN, the magazine. And, you know, and they do their best on these things on purpose to spur conversation yeah. and, you know, putting oh. freaking Brady at 20 was obviously, a, you know, the trolling people 
uh, because of, you know, especially by putting Peyton up so much higher. So, I, like, I get it, but, you know, it's just it becomes talk radio fodder just, you know, to move the dial and, you know, drive these conversations. Yeah, definitely uh, got my ears, uh, got my eyes and ears going when I heard about it. I was like, what? Except for number one, I, I had to agree there. <laughs> and, you know, and off topic of this halftime is, you know, he's definitely, you know, inching his way into conversation. I I think we talked about this on one of the earlier podcasts when he made an, a, an additional comeback uh, before the other back issue is that, there's never been the, you know, fill in the blank, the greatest athlete in whatever particular sport whose story has not ended with some version of them getting back on top. You know, whether it's Ali, whether it's Jordan, uh, Gretzky, like everybody's got this little, you know, they have this lull and then something happens and then they wind up getting themselves back on top for whatever way they can do it. So Gretzky leads the league in scoring or whatever after going to L.A. You know, like those types of things, even though he didn't get another championship. You know, it's it's always there. So it would be unprecedented in a sense that if he somehow doesn't make his way back to winning a major or at least winning uh, tournaments, it would be unprecedented if that were to happen. Well, he seems well on his way. And uh, the needle, uh, the the TVs uh, prove just how uh, – Polarizing a a a person that Tiger is, even with the NCAA tournaments in full swing, when he was on the back nine last Sunday, more people were watching that than the NCAA tournament, at least uh, according to many of the polls. So uh, Tiger moves the needle, and uh, and we'll see how well he does coming up in Augusta. Go Tiger! Yeah. Yeah, go Tiger. All right. All right. Let's get into the third quarter. Um, the playoffs. If the playoffs started today, you know, one of the texts you had sent me while I was out was like, you know, the Spurs, I think, were out of the playoffs like a couple of weeks ago. And now they've kind of made their way back in after a couple of wins, one of them being over Golden State, which was completely uh, demolished of their team. So now – uh, we're starting to look at some of these playoff matchups and these early playoff matchups. Uh, you know, there's going to be some change and move, but did you see any interesting matchups, you know, kind of right now that you, you know, would want to see when the playoffs start? Oh, if the playoffs ended today, there would be some outstanding matchups. Uh, let's start in the West. The 3-6 matchup of those San Antonio Spurs mentioned and the uh, Portland Trailblazers, that would be a tremendous opening round match uh, by those two teams. Uh, the series would be, I, I would say, seven games. Um, and with the Spurs seem to be clicking right at the right time after they hit a long stretch where they were down in the dumps, uh, they seem to be clicking right now. Maybe the Spurs were saving it for the playoffs. Uh, not somebody you want to see in the first round, so that would be a great yeah. matchup. Uh, even the 4-5, OKC in New Orleans would be a, a good match. You know, you got Anthony Davis, who has just been on fire of late for the Pelicans, uh, going against Russell Westbrook, who seems to have a triple-double every night these days. Um, and OKC is playing pretty well until they blew one last night against Boston. Um, that would be a great series as well. So, 
you know, uh, the 2-7 would be uh, Golden State, Minnesota, Houston, and Utah, the 1-8 right now. But 4 through 8 is only separated by three games with 12 games to go. So there could be some shuffling in those spots. Yeah. Uh, that 4 or 5 right now with Oklahoma City and New Orleans would be, that would be a delight. Uh, definitely would like to see that one. Um, what about out east? Because it looks like well, a pretty the, shaky matchup. Yeah, in the East, uh, well, first, I think the NBA would hate to have this as an opening round series, Cleveland versus Philadelphia in the 3-6. You know, yeah. you got a, a figure like, of course, the King LeBron James, and then you have an up-and-comer uh, in Joel Embiid and the Sixers in general. You don't want to see them play the opening round because you don't want to see one of those teams lose if you're the NBA and ESPN and TNT and all those that are trying to show the games. You want those teams to be around for the rating standpoint. However, it would be a, a very interesting series. Uh, then that 1-8 series, that Toronto-Milwaukee series, mm -hmm. hey, we said Toronto has to prove themselves. I think that would be uh, one place to start. You know, of course, you got Antetokounmpo that will be bringing it uh, and they've been playing some decent ball of late. So the Bucks would be a, a tough out in, in the first round if they did play Toronto uh, in the opening series. Yeah, I was looking at those matchups, and really the only one was like, man, that, that Cleveland-Washington or Cleveland-Philly would be interesting. You know, and as much as I would probably not watch as much of it, that 4-5 or five with the Pacers and the Wizards would be kind of entertaining too. Uh, so much guard play, uh, it would be real interesting. That would probably be probably seven close games between those two teams. Yeah, but just like in the West, three through six is only a couple games uh, apart as well, so there could be some shuffling there. You know, we mentioned Cleveland being locked in the third position, but they're only a game and a half up on Indiana in the fourth spot. So with, 11, with 12 games to go, uh, you never know. And then seven and eight. Uh, could flip-flop, too, uh, with Milwaukee and Miami. So, you know, they're not locked in either. So there's still some, some stuff that could be uh, happening down the stretch, which will make a, a very exciting ending to the regular season. Uh, so some teams definitely won't be resting players like uh, some of those at the top. Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's get into fourth quarter. Uh, fourth quarter and sometimes our – end of the game topic is uh, we've been going through the league of the best players ever for particular franchises. And, you know, again, some of them are just absolute slam dunks. They're very easy when you get the, you know, the Bulls and the, and the Clevelands of the world. And, you know, it, they become very easy. And then other times it becomes, all right, well, who's the second best player since the first one is real obvious. The two teams that we're going to get tonight, if one is going to be super obvious for number one, and then number two is probably debatable. And then the second team, um, who knows? <laughs> it, uh, damn, uh, which ought to tell you how bad that franchise is. So let's look at our first team tonight, which is the Indiana Pacers. It's very easily that Reggie Aloysius Miller is uh, the number one player of all time for the Pacers. Okay, so now we get into who's the second best player then. And that can be kind of debatable too. There are a lot of good second bananas that have played on that team, uh, some of them with Reggie Miller, but I'm not really sure who I'd pick it to. 
Well, a lot of names came up. I had to do some research. Uh, I know one of my dad's favorite players, George McGinnis, is a name that popped up immediately. But his, you know, his Pacer days were of the ABA. Um, yeah. You know, of the ABA. And so I'm not going to count him for that standpoint. Uh, but some other names that uh, came up were definitely uh, the Rifleman, Chuck Person. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, PG-13 just left. I uh, would we'll definitely have to go. Danny Granger uh, was a staple there. Uh, or you got the Dunking Dutchman uh, from Maris Rick Smith, Stephen, mm-hmm. if you want to throw him in. But yeah. I'm going to choose somebody off the radar, and I'm going to say the reason why. He may not be the second-best player, but he was very important there for a segment of time in Indiana. And I'm going to say Jermaine O'Neal. Oh, okay. And here's here's where I'm going to say why. When he came over from Portland, he was young and he was still a project of sorts. However, he definitely changed things in Indiana. It really helped Reggie Miller uh, mm-hmm. become even a, a different type of player, even a better player. Um, and even, I believe, you know, in his eight years, he was, uh, I think he was a six-time All-Star. He was... Uh, Second team All NBA twice, um, and I think now this is we will never know. But in 2004, 2005, they had a team that probably would have represented the East in yeah. the NBA Finals if it wasn't for the Malice and the Palace. Yeah, if you you recall, Jermaine O'Neal and Ron Artest both had very extended suspensions that really hurt them throughout the season. Their seeding in the playoffs was probably much different than it would have been had they been there throughout the year. And the Detroit Pistons, that were a solid team, end up going to the finals that year. And I think a lot of that was because of Jermaine O'Neal. Now, you know, people will argue that choice, but I think I'll give it that reason that he uh, was a definitely a very important Indiana Pacer, if not one of the best. But, of course, probably PG-13 probably would be the second best. Yeah. You have to yeah, he just hadn't been there long uh wasn't there long enough and uh and I I'd come up with some weird names too. I had Rick Smith. I had Det Left Shrimp there for a little bit. You know, he was all right, you know. Uh it was, yeah, he uh Mark Jackson. Yeah, Mark Jackson, yeah, he was there as well. Just like, you know, there's just a lot of like other dudes with Reggie Miller, just Jermaine O'Neal wasn't my second choice or whatever. I had him down a little bit on the list, but like it's just again when it comes to a team that hasn't won a championship, it, you really get into this bait. Especially if they had one really good player, then who was the second? It, we we've come across this a lot once we get to that point because like man, uh, I have no idea, and you get to see why you know possibly they haven't had you know, championship aspirations because they've never been able to pair up their best player of all time with somebody else. Somebody else. You have a small market in Indianapolis, you know, where the Pacers uh, are at home, you know, never were able to attract, you know, anybody to play alongside uh, Reggie Miller like he might have needed. But, again, that team possibly had enough uh, to get over the top, at least to get to the finals. You know, they did make an NBA Finals yeah. Um, I don't have the year off the top, but they did make it there um, before, and then they ran into Shaq and Kobe. But yeah. so they were uh, at least there once. But um, I think that was a team that was that was 
looking pretty good in 2004. Yeah. And they got it, and they, you know, and unfortunately for for Reggie, that they ran into, you know, Jordan's Bulls during a good portion of his heyday, and that, you know, there's a whole bunch of people that don't have championships because of Jordan, you know, Barton yeah, and Jordan. Jordan. <laughs> yeah, he ruined a lot of, a lot of championship aspirations over in the East with, with like you mentioned, Barkley and Ewing probably to the standout, along with Reggie Miller uh, more so. So sorry for those guys that Mike was around when he was. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. So our second team tonight, and this is the one. Whew. All right. It's the L.A. Clippers. Now, this ain't a small market team. Uh, it is the second, you know, team. It's the bastard team that's in L.A. for sure behind the Lakers. But they've been there a while, trying to come up with the greatest Clipper of all time because they have typically been, because they're the bastard sons, you know, the people that they've gotten have always been second-run hand-me-downs. You know, not a championship aspiration team for a very long time under Donald Sterling. And uh, who was the dude that was the GM for all that time? He wouldn't fire. Uh, Elgin Baylor. Elgin Baylor, yeah, I mean, just an absolute joke of a franchise for many, many years. So, who you got for the best Clipper? Well, let's take the Clipper franchise as a whole, and that'll go back to the Buffalo Braves, even. And then they <laughs> took a stint in Santa or San Diego, excuse me, and then they moved to L.A. to be the L.A. Clippers. So, you know, shout out to Mark Savoy for throwing out a name, Randy Smith, from the Buffalo days. Mm. Uh, you know, he was a, a nine-year veteran, NBA All-Star, even an All-Star MVP in the 75-76 season. Mm -hmm. uh, so that tells you how far we're going back. Uh, <laughs> but let's take him off the list because, you know, we were young tykes at that time. Even yeah. another Buffalo Brave that had a short stint but a dominant stint when he was there would be Bob McAdoo. Again, another one of my dad's favorite players. You know, mm. He was only with the Braves for five and a half years, I believe, and he's their third all-time leading scorer with no three-pointers. So that tells, you of, <laughs> that tells you the type of points he was uh, putting up you know, in the early 70s. Um, but then uh, when you talk about the Clippers, some names that came to mind, Elton Brand, yeah, uh, Corey Maggette, uh, then, you know, your more recent guys with Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, uh, and even though, can't, can't forget Danny Manning there even for yeah. a minute, if you will. But, you know, throwing all those names out, you know, the second all-time leading scorer in Clipper history is Blake Griffin. I didn't know that until <laughs> I, I looked it up. I had to even double... Double take that, like, what, really? Um, it's Blake Griffin. And uh, I was like, wow. And That's all terrible, by leader. the way. Yeah, DeAndre <laughs> Jordan is the all-time leading rebounder. Um, but, you know, that was a hard question to say the best player in Clipper history. I, I'm going to say somebody just that I liked because I, <laughs> I could pick one. <laughs> I have Blake Griffin. I had Bob McAdoo. Bob McAdoo was a choice. I circled him on my paper. Um, I circled him on the paper. But I used to love Corey Maggette. I thought he was yeah. an outstanding player. Never got the due that he deserved. 
And, you know, playing with the Clippers, he was uh, usually the sixth man off the bench. He was, to me, until, you know, more recently, the best Duke player, uh, yeah. you know, until until Kyrie probably, um, you know, in the league. So I really like Corey Maggette, but to answer the question, I'll go with Bob McAdoo, even though he didn't play for the Clippers. He played for the Buffalo Braves. Let's go Bob McAdoo uh, as the number one in Clipper franchise history. Terrible. I said a lot to say, to say not much, but. Yeah, yeah no, that's you being terrible. Yeah, that's you being I mean, terrible, just, the fact that the Clippers are just terrible. The, I mean, you had people like, you know, Michael Olawa Candy or, you know, Pooh. <laughs> Pooh Richardson or, or Lloyd Vaught and Terry Mills. Oh and, and, and those those to choose from. You know, J.J. Redick, if you want to throw his name in. So you had some Clippers with some tenure, uh, but the, no dominant dominant player and some awful draft picks along the way. So uh, that, was, uh, that was some tough research <laughs> to get an answer for that question. Yeah, that's just terrible. That just tells you how bad the Clippers were been run for thirty five plus damn years. Uh, that's just terrible. I mean, I couldn't even come up with anybody, man. I was like Blake Griffin, Chris Paul. Uh, I had Danny Manning on my list. Uh, you know, I remember Manning being there. He was supposed yeah. to be the savior. You know, Danny Ferry. Yeah, Danny. Oh Jesus, <laughs> Lord, this is terrible, man. This is just so bad. Uh, yeah. but Dominique had a couple of decent years yeah, there too. Yeah. And he got and traded. Yeah, the Snake yeah. Kenny Norman. There's some. There's some names, but yeah, the Clippers. That was a tough assignment to find the best <laughs> Clipper of all time. So you you yeah. stumped me there for sure. Yeah, well, as Alphabet stumped you. So yeah, we can move past them. Thank goodness because whoo, that one was rough. All right, let's hit the wrap up after the final buzzer. What's the game of the week, man? You can't pick the Cavs and Raptors tonight. No, no Cavs and Raptors. Okay, so I'm going to go with two teams we mentioned fighting for their playoff positioning. So let's look at Saturday's matchup, Saturday at Philadelphia. we got Minnesota at Philadelphia. Yes, that is cross-conference, but, again, both teams are fighting for playoff positioning. Uh, currently Minnesota in the seventh slot, but they're just right behind uh, the sixth spot. Or they could even move, you know, up to the five spot, you know, a couple games. So a couple games here or there, you can move up or you can move down. So and the same out uh, in the east with Philadelphia. They could move up or they can fall back as well. So they have to really play some good ball down the stretch. So game of the week is Saturday in Philadelphia. The Minnesota Timberwolves at the 76ers. I'm going Friday night uh, as the Boston Celtics continue their westward trek after they have their big win the other day, uh, last night uh, against Oklahoma City. Uh, they're at Portland uh, on Friday night. Um, they did it without Kyrie. Um, hopefully they'll have him back by that game on Friday night. Uh, Boston's been hit with some you know, serious injuries. Uh, shout out to uh, Jalen Brown. Uh, that was a very ugly injury uh, that could have ended Ooh. horribly bad. Woo. I was like, yeah, oh, my gosh. Close. Yeah, uh, so, you know, shouts out, get better. Uh, but, yeah, I uh, want to see, see that matchup. Hopefully Kyrie's back and we get him and Dana Dame, Dame, Dame the same. So, uh, yeah, Friday night, Boston at Portland. All right, man, it's the best part of the show. What is your song of the week, man? We need that exit music. 
All right, our exit music for today. Uh, you know, I was struggling trying to get a theme, and I just said, let's look at it this way. This is probably my favorite time of the sports year as we, you know, get ready for the NBA playoffs. You got March Madness. Of course, I'm a huge Tiger fan with him back rolling. The Masters is right around the corner. Opening day for Major League Baseball is next Thursday. So you just got things popping all over the place on the sports calendar. Probably one of my favorite times of year. Uh, so I went with one of my favorite all-time songs. 1999 is the year, and I'm pretty sure from his third album, is the greatest, in, in our opinion, is Nas, New York yeah, State of Mind, part two, though, part two. I mean, yeah. the storytelling in this song is un. Matt. Yeah. Hello. Hello. We lost you for a second. Hello. Uh, talk about it. As a matter of fact, we'll just talk about it now. So, sorry about that, listeners. Uh, yeah, we just had some technical difficulties as we were looking to wrap up the podcast. Nasir Jones is still playing us out. Go ahead, and, you know, you were talking about 1999 and the storytelling with uh, New York State of Mind Part 2. Yeah, New York State of Mind Part 2, not at his best, you know, really uh, painting a picture for his listeners, uh, which is why Nas is, in my opinion, uh, and we always will be the best uh, rapper, hip-hop artist of all time. Uh, Nas giving us our song of the week. 1999 is the year New York State of Mind Part 2. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we are in total agreement on this. It's not even, in a lot of ways, it's not even close. Um, but some people still try to front with some of these other people. And uh, it's still very annoying 25 years later. So, anyway. All right. So, as Nasir Jones continues to play us out. Uh, remember, this show is a part of the Brothers Comics Podcasting Network. You can find the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, TuneIn app, uh, whatever is your favorite uh, podcast streaming app. Rate, review, subscribe. This show, along with the Brothers Comics Podcast, the Marvel Hacks Podcast, I Know What You Did Last Winter Podcast, uh, the Unmasked Podcast with Mr. Robot, uh, just a lot of different shows on the network. Find the show, find your life. That's basically how we roll. Uh, Will Stack, man, tell them where they can find you. Find me, Will Stack, at W-I-L-L-S-T-A-C-K-S, at Will Stack on Instagram. Or you can hit me up on Twitter, at Mr. Waters. 77 on Twitter again at Mr. Water 77 on Twitter. Let me know what you think of the show, or maybe a song you want to hear at the end, a topic you want us to discuss on this week in the association. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, just um, definitely. Uh, like I said, I keep saying this every week. The numbers for the show are it's one of our highest rated shows. Uh, you know, again, but rate, review, subscribe. The more that you all do that. Uh, it gets the, the podcast out on different platforms, gets more attention to the show. So, yeah, y'all are listening, but yes, subscribe to it, review it, share it with your friends too as well. So, all right. So, we're going to start to wrap this up. Hey, man. Thank you. Got it in. I'm sorry I couldn't get you some of those uh, beach bikini pictures from Puerto Rico. I tried, man, but 
it, it was a lot tougher with you know with the family and so oh i'm sure there was uh, some amazing sights to see in puerto rico but hey i'm glad you enjoyed yourself you and the family but until next week will stack this out Come around the block, happy as hell. Niggas mad as they ain't get a piece of that sale. Cutthroat cannabis, universal ghetto survivors. Go to any hood that's live and make it lava. A lot of niggas scheming, some real, some niggas fronting. But I'm a big dreamer, so watch me come up New with York. something. New York, New York, New York.